the wonder of my childhood, the God of my youth, my breath, my sunshine, my light and my truth. You thrill me each day, Lord, with your love through and through. I want. First love is you. go to the book of Hebrews in just a moment. Uh, the book of Hebrews is the deepest theology in the uh, Bible. I have uh, just finished writing and finishing writing 1 Corinthians, which will be out. I, of course, have the book of Acts completed that's out now as a literal translation. The uh, I'm going to the book of Hebrews next because it is uh, the deepest theology in the Bible, then probably to the book of John. But um, uh, the book of Hebrews is uh, second generation Pentecost. Their fathers were killed. They themselves were only uh, being put to some tests. But um, we don't know who the writer of the book of Hebrews is. Uh, except he is one more smart man. I personally do not believe that it was Paul. The dates are wrong for Paul. Also, the writing, if you read it in the original, does not match uh, Paul at all. The early church believed that it was Apollos who wrote it. And uh, whoever wrote it did know Paul, was acquainted, and uh, it is amazing. He does not know Hebrew. The writer of the book of Hebrews does not know Hebrew. He is quoting the Septuagint, which is a Greek translation of the Old Testament made 200 years before Jesus Christ. You'll see the sign of an uh, LXX, that's the sign of the Septuagint. Hebrew was being lost, and the Jews felt like that uh, they needed to translate uh, the Bible into the world language Greek because uh, Hebrew was going into the Aramaic more and many of its uh, words were being lost. And uh, so that's why you have the Greek translation. He, does, he never quotes, and he quotes the Old Testament constantly, the writer of the book of Hebrews, but he never quotes the Hebrew. He is quoting the Septuagint. So my effort has been, every time he quotes the... Um, uh, the Old Testament, instead of going back and seeing him quoting from the Septuagint, I'll go back to the original Hebrew, and the difference that it makes will blow your mind. It, uh, the things that it straightens out 
uh, is just uh, something else. That will be, that'll be forthcoming in another few months that we'll have the book of uh, Hebrews. But let me read it to you, then I must indeed deal with 1 Corinthians, which will be involved in this. From the uh, second chapter of the uh, book of Hebrews, the first verse I'll be reading to you from the original Greek text. You may want to listen to it because it'll look a little different than uh, what you are reading. Because of this, this is uh, Hebrews 2 and 1. Because of this, it is uh, necessary that you carefully tie down the things that you have heard, lest any time you slip past. For if the words spoken by angels were firm, and every stepping around, and ever listening around, receives a just payback of reward. We, and how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation, which had its beginning to be spoken through the Lord by them that heard him, and confirmed us by them who heard him. With God witnessing together with signs and with wonders, and with many kinds of powers, and with uh, divisions in the Holy Ghost, according uh, to his wish. All right? I want to give you today, for the sake of remembering, the subject slipping past the harbor. The word that he uses to be very careful to tie down is more. Tie or more down the boat the things that you've heard. Tie them down very securely, just like you would a boat, lest at any time it slip away out of the harbor. <clears throat> the things you've heard, he's talking about salvation, tie it down, because if you don't, it will slip past or out of the harbor. And if the words spoken by angels were firm, and every stepping around, and every listening around, we've always got folks that's going to step around certain things, and we've got people that's going to listen around certain things. You let them slip out of the harbor. They received a just payback of reward. You've got to tie it down. The most problems are handled according to the book of Hebrews, and his effort is to show you how great this salvation is. And if you don't keep in focus what's what and who's who, you'll lose what this salvation is all about, and you'll wind up mimicking some religious pattern, an offshoot of some emotional conundrum, and you'll pass what it really is, the gospel. All right? He said the first thing you've got to know, this is one thing you want to tie down carefully. If you don't, it'll slip away. Don't step around it and don't hear around it. How great God is. 
Somebody said, oh, we know how great God is. Maybe if you'll listen to what he is quoting from the Old Testament of how great God is, it'll put a little something different in your mind. Here's how great he is. He says, the rafters of his loft are in the waters. That's the top of his house. He rides the thick clouds. And he marches on the wings of the wind. This is how great God is. He's bigger than this world. He views the earth from outside the galaxy, it says. He marches forth as a bridegroom marches to the outward edge of the orbits. Thank God. And he makes a circle. The scripture says, we are in danger of making God very local and that all he is concerned about is my area right here. But let's remember how great God is. Thank God, because the rafters of his loft, the top part of his house, are still in the waters. He rides on thick clouds and he marches on the wings of the wind. And his going is as a bridegroom to the outward edge of the orbits. Praise God. And it says this of him, The heavens get old, but he stays. The planets and the firmament grow old like a garment to him. And he simply takes it off when the stars and the planets and the universe gets old. He just simply takes it off like it's a coat and he puts on a brand new one. That lets you know how old he actually is. We're worried about the age of the earth being billions of years old. It's young as far as he is concerned because he is old, old, old. And if you don't tie that down, how great God is, you'll slip past the harbor. Amen. You'll confine him to a thousand years or two thousand years or whatever, but you will let it slip away. Here is the one that, uh, and I'm, I don't have time to uh, quote each one or to uh, read each one in the book of Hebrews, but um, the one that is uh, so missed by us and actually missed by the Hebrew writer uh, inasmuch he quoted it, uh, from the Septuagint. Anytime you cross two different languages, you lose something. The essence is still there. We still have the essence of it. But you miss it if you don't know how great man is. This salvation is great is because God is great. And the next it is great is because man is great. He said, what is Adam? blood, that you pay any attention to him. And what is the son of Enosh that you visit him? If I had time, I would prove to you that Adam was first Enosh in the garden, which was human being. But afterward, he became blood when he was sent out of the garden. What what is man? Here it is. 
You made him in your image and in your likeness to look just like God. And you crowned him with glory and honor. Here's man. You subjected everything beneath his feet. There is nothing left to be subjected that has not yet been subjected. Amen. You made him lack a little, not from angels, but the Hebrew said from Elohim. You made Adam and the son of Enosh lack just a little bit from Elohim. You crowned him with glory and honor and you subjected all things. But we see not him yet crowned with glory and honor. We don't see all things yet subjected under his feet, but we see Jesus Christ. That's the answer. I'll cover that in just a moment. But if man loses the perspective how great he is in the fact that he is the image and likeness of God, he will miss the salvation and his boat will slip past the harbor. Are you listening? You can't miss how great God is, and you can't miss how great man is. God said that he is made just a little from Elohim himself. Somebody said, is God interested in how man looks? He certainly is. Paul spoke to the people, on, or to the Greeks on uh, uh, in Athens, and um, he went back to their philosophers, and he says... Uh, uh, your own philosophers said, I saw your gods made all different kind of creatures and, and different kind of beings. He said, let's talk about what God looks like. He said, one of your philosophers has said, we are the offspring of God. Doesn't it stand to reason if we are the offspring of God that God must look something like us? The reason is we are made to lack just a little from Elohim. He carries this uh, fact that we are in the image of God and how important that is when he begins to direct the church in the book of 1 Corinthians and it's called the Suner Kumai. That is the gathering together of the church, which is from the 11th chapter through the 14th chapter. This is called the Suner Kumai, the gathering together of the church. And he says it is important how you appear, especially how your hair is when you come before God. Because anybody praying or prophesying with their head in the wrong condition dishonors their head. All right? The reason for that, and many people have never realized that, is because your hair is the symbol of the order of creation. Amen. Somebody says he was just dealing with a local culture, a local problem at that time. I beg your pardon. He is going all the way back to creation and is telling you that uh, any woman praying or prophesying with her head uncovered dishonors her head. The verse before that tells you who her head is. It says that uh, the Christ is the head of man. Man is the head of woman. 
But God is the head of Christ. Many people don't know why long hair and short hair on men and women uh, is supposed to be and even why he gave it. The reason is because it establishes and carries on the knowledge of the order of creation of man. Three times in that chapter he refers to the order of creation. This scripture is not arbitrary. It doesn't mean you can do it if you don't want, you want to. If you don't, you don't have to. It tells you when you're in the presence of God, he's looking at you. Amen. And if you don't have the proper uh, gear for your hair, then you might as well get up from prayer. Amen? You might as well get up because you are in the presence of God. God is great, but I want you to know, you are the image man is the image and reflection of God. The word there, doxe, uh, translated reflection. Man is the image and reflection of God. When he sees man, he sees himself. But woman is the image and reflection of man. Man is the only thing that can stand in the presence of God bareheaded because he is the only creature that is made in the image and the likeness of God. You'll read about angels on down just a little further, and she needs authority on her head because of the angels. Why angels? Because if you read angels that are in the presence of God, cover their face as well. Everything covers their face in the presence of God, Isaiah 6 and 2, because man is the only thing that is made in the image and likeness of God. Amen. He is the only thing that can stand uncovered. A woman was made different. He said, a man, you've got to have long hair and short hair on men because man is not out of the woman, but the woman is out of man, and both of them are out out of God. It has nothing to do with intelligence nor with superiority or women's lip. He says neither are anything outside of God. But what he is wanting us to do is to maintain creation's order, the fact how that man was made in the image and likeness of God, but woman was made different. The program was even different for her. He, she wasn't even made of the same stuff, nor the same way. And therefore, when she comes into the presence of God and she has her hair cut like a man, she is removing herself from the series of divine order of creation. Amen. And she is not the image and reflection of God. Man is the image and reflection of God, and woman is the image and reflection of man. Praise God. I'm telling you, we're going to miss and let this boat slip past the harbor if we don't realize how great God is and if we fail to get how great man actually is. And when we say man, we mean man or woman. But there is an order. He tells us in Romans that if we forget what that order of creation is, man begins to think of himself differently. He begins to worship anatomy. 
And then he begins to make gods out of four-footed uh, creatures. And the next thing you know, he begins, uh, the man and the woman turns to look at one another. It mentions lesbianism, first of all. Woman loses or moves from her place of natural order, and they burn in lust, as is with man. Man does the same thing. The word there is purely homosexual in that chapter. Two words. One of them is soft, which means catamites, boys that were sold for homosexual purpose. And then it mentions women who turn uh, and use one another, which is against nature. What I'm saying is, and what Paul is saying here, is we get totally out of what when we lose the fact that God is creator of all and the order of creation was man and then woman. And he said hair is a symbol of the order of that creation. The head of man is Christ. When you come to prayer and you've got hair hanging down, the word is cut out down, kalupti, it hides down. We are not talking about a veil. I wish ever, ever Pentecostal preacher that's ever said the subject is veil here were here today and hear me say, the word veil does not enter until you get to the 16th verse. The word is kata kalupti. The normal word for veil is kaluma. But he uses parabellion in verse 16, which is a different kind of a veil. But the word veil is never used until the last part. But a man praying or prophesying with his head, anything down his head, anything down his head dishonors his head. Not this up here, but he dishonors Christ. Because it just got through telling you that Christ is the head of man. And when you come to prayer and you come to prophesy, which means the int most intimate place with God, and you've got anything down your head, you are dishonoring your head. Why? Because he made you in his image and in his likeness, and you are the only thing that can stand in the presence of God bareheaded. Amen. God. He says later, 2 Corinthians, he says, Moses, I won't go into it, Moses put a veil on his face after he finished speaking, not while he was talking. He let them see the glory, but he put it on after he finished speaking because he did not want them to see that which was being done away with. He didn't want them to watch the fading of the glory. Amen. Then he gives, uh, that was the law. He did not want them to see the fading of that glory. I preached that in Arkansas. Brother uh, Tenney was with me up there. When the glory is gone, hang a rag over it. If you look in your, if you look in your Bible, the word till there is italicized to show you that it was not in the original. The word says he hung a veil on his face when he finished speaking. Paul said so that they could not see carefully and look, keep on looking into that which was being done away with. Amen. He did not want them to see. Uh, there's no comparison, my friend. When the glory of God is there and you've been with the Lord and that starts to go and starts to fade, hang a rag over it. Amen. It's not worth looking at when God's through with it. Amen. I'm telling you, when the glory is gone, hang a rag over it because it's not fit to look at. There are people I know still try to operate on talent charisma and and a lot of other things but there's nothing like when the glow of god is still on your face
But you come into the presence of God, man, as the first creature, the first thing that was ever made in his likeness, the highest order of creation, everything subjected under your feet. He made you like a little from, not angels, but Elohim, God himself. And you're praying and prophesying, you dishonor your head, you might as well get up from prayer. Amen. I believe his brother Barnes heard tell one time that their family once uh, spent all the money on uh, the tithes, spent some tithe money on groceries they're buying for all month long. And they brought the uh, groceries into the house and set them down on the floor. And those days, the houses, the doors kind of open. Well, the hog, they, they made a visit somewhere, left their groceries there. And while they were going, the hogs got in. They ate all of the groceries up, you know, just tore it up. And he went down, he was going to go down in the woods and tell God on those hogs just how terrible the hogs had, had uh, treated them and said the moment his knee touched the floor, the Lord said tithes. And when he said tithes, he said he just got up. There wasn't any use to pray about it anymore. When you come into the presence of God and the first thing you hear, you realize you are in his presence, he says, you don't look right. Mm. But Paul says, you and I, it's not like Moses. We can look in a mirror and we can see ourselves changed from day to day into his glory or into his image. It never fades away. God is making us more in his image. All right? But a woman praying or prophesying, let me say right here, somebody says he says later he doesn't want the woman to say anything in church. Well, this is the suner kamai. This is the gathering together. This is when they are together. And bless your heart, he uses the same word praying or prophesying as he uses for man. Evidently, a woman can pray and prophesy in the suner kamai. That's got to be juggled. If I had time, I'd tell you what the difference is and what he's talking about, but I don't have. But I'm just telling you, when, he, when she comes into the presence of God praying or prophesying and she is uncovered, that is, there is nothing hanging down. Then she dishonors her head because she is the image and reflection of man. Man is the image and reflection of God. Woman is the image and reflection of man. What does that mean? It it establishes the order of creation. That's what God is trying to do, is keep that established. And when we get the unisex look, and you can't tell man from a woman, watch the world and how it goes and all of its sin. There'll be nothing that is wrong, nothing they can't do if they ever lose that order. Amen. Now somebody says, how long? You really want to know? Uh, two words used here in this chapter. One of them is caro. The other is suaro. One means trimmed or cut, and the other is shaved. Now, to correct a uh, thing for you, said Paul took a vow. The scripture, the word actually is, he cut his hair because he had a prayer. Amen. The word is suaro, or I'm sorry, caro, which means he cut or trimmed his hair because he had a UK, a prayer. It's the same word that's used in James when it says the prayer of faith 
shall save the sick. The same word is used there. Paul cut his hair. Why? He'd just been delivered from the court of Galileo. He had just been delivered. Galileo said, I'm not going to pay any attention uh, to you fellows or some words of your law. And so they turned Paul loose and then they turned on Sosthenes, who was the prosecutor, and beat him up because he didn't do a better job of prosecuting the case than they did. But uh, Paul, uh, to correct that, Paul did not shave his head because he was... Uh, he was uh, uh, taken a vow. He trimmed his hair because he was going to prayer. You see, that's a good thing to remember. When you come to prayer, man, how does your hair look? Somebody said, he doesn't care what we look like. Oh, I beg your pardon. You are made in his image and his likeness. And he says, we go every day and we look at ourselves in a mirror and we watch ourselves being changed into his image. So those two words, how long is long? He said, it is one and the same if it is cut or shaved. That's it. It's one and the same if it's cut or shaved. If you cut it a little, you might as well shave it off. Oh, praise God. Amen. I'm not saying it. I just got through writing that area of the book of Corinthians. You've got a word that is used there that is used nowhere else in the Bible. And to say that it is veil is, is the is exegesis, I call it. It is not exegesis, exegesis. The word is komao, never used anywhere. And if that man continues to have short hair or have his hair cut, he continues that. And it is a it is a third class condition to remain to be seen. Then, if he does that, then it is his glory. But a woman, if she prays or prophesies, uh, having her hair cut or shaved, for it is one and the same. I just want that to sink in just a moment. I didn't say it. It's one and the same. Plus. The word kamao is a present subjunctive, which means it is a continuing action. It means that it keeps being that way. It is an unaltered project. A man keeps cutting his hair. You keep doing that. But a woman keeps letting her hair grow long. Or our preachers, anybody else... I had a man come to my pulpit not long ago and said, this is a gray area. Gray? It's gray, my friend, because you don't want to believe and do what it says. That's the only reason that it's gray. You never had a subject so covered. He used everything at his disposal. He used creation. He used the likeness and the image of God. And now he says a woman uh, ought to have pr uh, authority on her head because of the angels. Why? Because angels were present during creation. And they heard him say, maybe including the angels, man has become one of us to know good and evil. They know the order of creation. Angels know that. And, and we're talking about have authority, not dunamis, but exousia, has authority. 
A hair on your head, dear sister, is your authority in the presence of God and in the world of angels and demons. I would adjure you not to try to cast a demon out having your hair cut. I would not advise you coming to pray or prophesy having short hair because this is your authority. Thank God. When I said again, when you walk into the presence of God with your hair cut and you have some idea of looking like a man or changing your look to that direction, it changes it and you lose it and you have no authority. Now, angels know authority. Amen? They know where it finally winds up. Even demons know where it winds up. When they come out to the Manic of Gadara, they called him the Most High God. Amen. Thank God. They served the devil, but they called him the Most High God and had to ask him, Will you not throw us out into uninhabited regions? Will you not make us go out into uninhabited regions? This was their request. They know authority. Listen, a man that uh, had the greatest faith of all, Jesus said, I've not seen faith like this, not even in Israel. Who was it? He was a Roman quaternion. He was, uh, he was a man over four companies. And uh, uh, Jesus was invited to go to his house and to heal uh, his uh, son or friend, our servant. And finally he said, wait, said, I am a man under authority. I know about authority. And uh, I tell this man, you go, and he goes. I tell him, you do, and he does. And he is saying, I, in so much, I don't know who carries out what you say. I don't know where your subordinates are, but I believe all you've got to do is just give the word, and that thing is carried out. Jesus said, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. Hear me! Your authority is the symbol of authority and your place in the creation order of man. Say, praise the Lord. Thank God for authority. He says, doesn't even nature. Paul, I have never seen him address a subject yet that he throws everything that he's got at it. But he does here. He says, doesn't nature itself teach you? Amen. That it is proper. Let me handle proper, first of all. You judge yourself if it is prepon. The word is prepon. Proper? It doesn't mean just nice looking and fashionable. And you do it if you don't want to. It's the same word. It's only used a few times in the Scripture. It's the same word that Jesus used when John the Baptist said, I should let you baptize me. I should not be baptizing you. You should baptize me. Jesus said, it is necessary. It is right to fulfill all righteousness. When he stood there that day and corrected John the Baptist about whom should baptize whom, he said, it is Prepon. It's necessary. This is not a matter of choice. It's going to fulfill all righteousness. If you want the strength of what that propriety is, just turn and read where Jesus told John the Baptist, it is prepon. This is right. This is what is necessary in order for you. It's used once again when we're talking about uh, we needed such a high priest. 
Amen. We needed such a high priest. It was necessary. It was prepon. We couldn't have got by with any other kind of a high priest than what we had. We had to have Jesus Christ who was over all God blessed forever. We couldn't have done with a lesser one. We had to have that one. So he said, you judge yourself whether it's proper. And the word there is the one with John the Baptist as well as used in Hebrews of the high priest. But doesn't nature itself, all commentators that I read about show that it is nature. God has endowed the woman to have longer hair. And all you got to do is look around here today and see how it's clearing off on the front of the heads of the men and you'll find out how nature teaches you. Not very many bald-headed women here today, but most men will experience some baldness. I'll tell you why. He's going to get you looking more and more like Him by the time you get there. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. He's cleared it off. There's one reason, my friend. Your hair is slipping away. All you guys are bald-headed like me. Take heart. I can tell you why. It's because God loves you to stand to Him face to face because you're made in His image and in His likeness. Praise God. But a woman wears her hair long because when she comes in, that is not saying she is less and doesn't mean any much as much, but it is saying, I am not the first in the order of creation. We are substantiating the order of God's creation. And any time any preacher tells you that it was fulfilling a local culture, you just remember he's wanting to dodge the words because there's never any stronger scripture in your Bible than he's using right here. Amen? Thank God. Fusis. Nature will teach it. Just let it alone. You may not cut it, man, but it'll start getting slick before long. Amen? He'll cut it for you. If you're one of those that have a full head of hair a long time, you're extraordinary. I'm not going to call you a sissy. I'm just saying I, I feel better about my head, thank God, since I read that uh, I'm in the image and the likeness of God. Amen. All right. Amen. I, it might be good to get a burr. I don't know that. I know one thing. When something good has just happened like it did with Paul, amen, and you're coming into the presence of God, look at yourself. You don't know whether they're men or women. God wants to know where your authority is when you come into His presence. And the first thing He looks at is your hair. Oh, charismatic world tells us, well, God doesn't look on the outward appearance. Then why did both Paul and Peter tell the women how to dress? And I'm going to answer something. Somebody said, do we have any scripture for painting yourself? Write it down and never forget it. You want to know where women learn to paint the face? Jude tells us it was the fallen angels who taught them, or they defile the flesh. The word is maeno, which is they paint the flesh. All right? They paint the flesh. Both Jude and Peter quote the book of Enoch. And by the way, the book of Enoch has just been found in the Dead Sea Scrolls, making it, the first book of Enoch, making it older than anything we've got in the New Testament, the book of Enoch. It tells how that they taught the women alchemy. 
That is the shadowing of the eyes with a silver metallic program. And you, I won't have time, you don't want to hear this, but they also taught them antimony. I won't tell you what that is, but it's, uh, it's, re it's rather dire. But that's where they learned it. Amen. He also told them that you do not braid gold and hair. Those two words go together. You got conjunction, gold and hair. Are the putting on of pearls. We got more scripture than the world can stand, my friend. Amen. Or the wearing of expensive clothes. I'm quoting from the original now. Hello, 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 hello. It makes a difference how much you pay for them. Hello, hello, hello. Amen. But it is your modest demeanor that I tell you, it is some of these women that uh, project themselves as men and uh, come on with a big, bold attitude. They are no more in the presence of God than I am a B-52 in full flight. Amen, amen, amen. Because God does not buy it, brother. Amen. He expects us to keep that order and keep that place as creation is. Nature teaches you that if she have long hair, that it is here a brilliance and a splendor. It's a radiance to her if she has long hair. Style is not mentioned. He just said cutting and shaving are the same. Are you getting it today? Amen. He even tells you, I say the reason. Most people don't know why that's there, but he explains it three times. Because of creation, God wants you to be this way. Amen. Somebody said, well, I wonder how they look. You know, we've got pictures of Jesus. Um, uh, some show how it, how it works. Uh, I heard a fellow, Baptist preacher's son, he's telling he, his daddy he wanted to use the car. His daddy told him, said, I told you to get your hair cut. And uh, he said, get the hair cut and drive. A little bit later, Daddy liked to use the car. He said, uh, your hair's not cut. He said, uh, well, Daddy, Jesus had long hair. He said, yes, and he walked everywhere, too. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. For, the, for the first part, you're looking at about a mid-century picture when you're looking at Jesus when it was, it was, uh, it was fashioned to look like a homosexual because most of the uh, emperors of Rome and all had catamites. They had uh, slave people, you know, men that they used homosexually. They wore their hair long. Watch a society when women and men lose their place. You're going to see homosexuality. You're going to see bestiality. You're going to see it get all out of kelter. But both Peter and Paul got together for 15 days and talked about it, and there are some things they came out with. I uh, studied last year in Oxford, uh, England, with the Dead Sea Scrolls Society. I'm a member of the Institute of Dead Sea Scrolls Studies, and I've been given the uh, unpublished Dead Sea Scrolls to work on. Nevertheless, we were meeting. Professor uh, Amnon Bintar there recently from a dig up at Hatzar, uh, up above uh, Galilee, was showing us some things they had just unearthed. And you remember 
Well, you can, you can remember how that uh, multiple pictures of Babylonians and Akkadians and Hittites and Philistines and, and the long curly beards and their hair long uh, uh, waving down into that beard. But you never saw any pictures of an Israelite. And that's the, re the reason is because God said you shall not make a graven image of anything. He told them not to do that. That's the reason that is not preserved. But all of a sudden, they just dug up and uh, brought it there for us to see and to study the inscriptions that's engraved upon it was uh, uh, Israel being enslaved by uh, the Philistines uh, and uh, the Israelis are following the lady is on a cart a man is, uh, is walking behind and they all look alike and I got to noticing and all of the men had their hair cut exactly like mine right here. Nothing was down on their neck. That little temptation to get you a little bun down on your neck, to get a little bit more hair down here. It may be Israeli looked like about the time of Christ or just before. And uh, Professor Bintar said, you know, I have never thought about it, but this is it. And he began to talk about how Israel didn't believe in engraving things. I said, the reason that I wanted to draw attention to it is because you notice the men all have short hair. And it went up in blue smoke, I can tell you that. <laughs> well, it certainly does. They certainly do have that. Praise God. And uh, the women you could not tell because it, they were covered with a long mantle all over them just to peep out as women of that time did. But here is the stickler. Somebody said, is it talking about her wearing a veil or is it talking about long hair? He says, a woman's hair is given to her instead of a veil. If you translate all the words above veil, then you need to correct it with this because it says her hair is given to her instead of a veil. Praise God. He doesn't intend for you to wear cloth over your head. He gave you a natural covering. He's talking about phusis. He's talking about phusis, the natural covering. And when you've got that, you have authority on your head. Well, shall I pay attention to the last one that said, we translate it. If you don't like it, you don't have to do it. Amen. <laughs> it doesn't say if you don't like it, you don't have to do it. And it is an adversative. But, and that is an adversative to everything he has said. But if a man is considering being a philonikos, a fight lover, we don't have such a habit. Neither the churches of God. Amen. It doesn't say if you don't like what I've been saying in 16 verses, you don't have to do it. He says, I'm going to tell you, if you're just considering fighting about it, we don't have that custom either. We don't have the custom of being a fight lover. Amen. He, he ends up that, uh, this discourse with the same thing he began with, and that is, I praise you, actually, if and I, I heap praise upon you because you have kept the traditions I delivered unto you. He winds it up talking about the same thing, the traditions. In another place, he says, if you don't keep these traditions, if they don't, have nothing to do with them. I can show you where the word standard is used multiple times in the Scripture. 
Amen. I can show you that. Praise God. But he says if they don't follow these traditions, oh, the church tradition is one thing, men's tradition or something else. As long as I've got Bible for it, amen, and I've got 16 verses with him throwing everything at you that you want, thank God it's not to be put down. Amen? Oh, glory, 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 glory. Praise God. We don't have a custom of fighting. That's not the way we do. Praise God. We are used to people obeying and loving God. All right. But we see man not yet completed. But thank God we see Jesus Christ. And I won't take long. I'll just tell you that everything man was not. He said, we see not yet all things subjected unto man, but we see Jesus Christ. And, brother, all things has been subjected unto him, that he may lead many sons to glory. That is the purpose of it all. Oh, praise God. Amen. So, your long hair is given to you in place of a covering, instead of a covering, so that when you come into the presence of God, praying or prophesying, you are showing him you are complying with the order of divine series in creation. Otherwise, you have no authority whatsoever. Praise God. Amen. How much time do I have, Brother Tenney? Is that it? All right. Somebody might want to have a question. I'd answer one to just be one. One question. 